Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Thinking of starting a podcast? We'll try Anchor. It's free, easy to use, and its creation tools allow you to record and edit directly from your phone or computer. It'll even take care of distribution for you with a single tap so you can be heard on platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Also, Anchor is the only place you can publish video podcasts directly to Spotify. Man, you can even make money using Anchor in a couple of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. It's truly everything you need in one place to make a podcast. So make sure to go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier Podcast. As always, it's your boy Mac. Joining me today is my friend and co-host Corey Walsh of Fear the Sword. Corey, my brother, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. Uh, we're finally watching real Cavs basketball, so you can't ask for anything more, you know? I know. This is really the best time of the year. Even though we're only watching preseason basketball, it's still nice to actually see some basketball instead of just some pre just some uh training camp highlights or anything like that or summer league this this is the as close as it gets to the regular season and uh we've seen a lot yeah we saw uh, ben simmons in regular season form <laughs> his jumper looks spot on still shooting with the wrong hand kevin o'connor's quote i'll steal it <laughs> <laughs> still shooting with the wrong hand wow oh but on the Cleveland side of things, we have seen some positives. We have seen some negatives. We have seen a lot of things in between. And, uh, I mean, in these back-to-back games versus the Philadelphia 76ers, um, we got to see the 2022-23 iteration of the Cavs Sands Evan Mobley, who still remains out due to the, uh, the prior injury. And we've seen a few guys miss the second preseason game. So, We've we've got to see some players. We've we've got to see some guys who we wouldn't normally, you know, uh, suit up in specific spots. So it's it, it's kind of been a blessing in disguise, much like we kind of thought it would be. It would give guys opportunities to kind of you know make a name for themselves or carve out a role. Um, so just a couple of questions for you off the bat, man. Through these two preseason games, who has impressed you the most? Uh, it's probably either Darius or Jarrett. Honestly, I feel like not in the sense that I am shocked to see what I'm seeing, but it just is nice to see that their form from last year is continuing. It's more impressive to me that Jared Allen is fully back. It seems like, cause obviously when in the play in game, he kind of seemed like a shell of his former self, but that was obvious seeing as the dude Thumb was injury. playing with one hand. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so rebounding is kind of hard one handed overall from uh, not, not personal experience. But Jared was really good in the second game, and Darius looked really sharp in the second game as well. They were the sole two uh, positive outlook, uh, positive uh, impact players from that game. 
And then the first game was definitely the more competitive of the two. And I felt like that was just more of a promising start to building rapport for the team overall. But yeah, I'd say Darius and Jarrett were probably the two most impressive players through the first two games. I'd have to agree with that one. We do we we did see some other surprises, so we'll get to in a minute. But um, you know, Darius has already looks kind of in midseason form. I mean, got full command of the offense. The chemistry issues don't look like a problem at all. If there are if there were going to be any issues in the first place with Donovan Mitchell, because these two dudes look like they're feeding off of each other. And, uh, you know, Darius with the 12 points and four rebound or oh, four assists rather in the first game and then 17 points, I believe, in game two versus the 76ers. And then, you know, with Donovan, the, like the crazy thing to me, like if you don't if Cleveland is the singular team you watch, obviously, you're not going to see a lot of uh, Utah basketball, you know. If you're if you primarily pay attention to just the Cleveland Cavaliers, you may have been unaware that Donovan Mitchell is one hell of a playmaker and facilitator himself. And that has been on full display in these two games. Like the some of the passes these guy this guy has made is it's kind of been surprising to me. Like he, he's hit open cutters, he's hit guys out on the wing, guys in the corner. Um, have you been impressed with what you've seen thus far with Donovan Mitchell from that aspect? Uh, it's nice to see it's because, you know, in Utah, he kind of operated as the pseudo point guard in that offense. I mean, Mike Conley technically suited up as a starting point guard, but it was more of like a James Harden Houston type thing when he Mm -hmm. was him and Chris Paul, where yes, Chris Paul is technically the point guard, but we all know it was James Harden's show that he was running. (laughs) Donovan Mitchell was more of the same. I mean, he had such a high usage rate in the past few years of Utah that, you know he knows how to kind of sort out and sift through defenses and pick out players and give them the right opportunities to score. I mean, how do you think Utah scored so many three-pointers two years ago? It was because Donovan was the one serving up dimes for everyone else. Those three-pointers don't get made if Donovan isn't cutting and dishing out at the same rate that he is. So it's nice to see that that's carrying over to Cleveland. I'm more interested to see how him and Darius can benefit off of each other in further games. Because I, I don't have any doubts that when one of them is on the floor, they'll be able to set up the others. But I'm more interested to see how the two of them together on the floor will really op- unlock things offensively. Yeah, we've already seen some stretches where Donovan has played without Darius and Darius has played without Donovan. And we kind of have to, you know, assume that there's going to be a lot of staggering when it comes to these guards. And, you know, you're going to have one on the floor at all times. That's just a given at this point when you have talent of this magnitude. Uh, so you have to figure it out, and I think JB is off to a good start with that. Um, we've seen some other surprises on the squad, and I got to admit, man, um, a couple of performances in the first game kind of left me thinking, did this guy maybe make a push for a starting job? And uh, the one guy that I got to touch on is your dude, man. This is the Dean Wade podcast, <laughs> the official Dean Wade podcast. Dean was terrific in the first game. I think he went three of five from beyond the arc and uh, and would always just seemed to be in the right spot, um, looked confident shooting the ball. But then, you know, game two rolls around. Oh, we don't have to talk about that. <laughs> game two rolls around. And, um, you know, he went three of eight from the field and one of three from three, which is which isn't terrible, but it just didn't have the same kind of impact. And 
I don't know if that was like more of not having like a Kevin Love on the floor as an additional spacer, uh, things of that nature. But uh, I think he took a, a a pretty big step forward, and I think he he is going to carve out a bigger role than uh, than some people predict. So let's let me hear your thoughts on it. Did he did he actually make a push for that starting role? Uh, I mean, I hope so, but it's not like Karis LeVert played himself out of the uh, starting three position that many suspect he's going to have. Um, Karis was serviceable. He did what he was probably expected to do. My concern with the whole Karis thing is I just don't see how it's going to play out in the long term. I think if the Cavs really want to maximize what Karis LeVert can do, having him with two ball-dominant guards is not really going to let Karis play the way he wants to play and the best way that he will play. That's why I really prefer Dean in this uh, at the starting three because Dean's a player that's never going to be like I need to generate a shot for myself type player. Like he's just going to be a good perimeter defender and stretch the floor offensively, which I'd rather have three shooters on the floor versus uh, two. Like if it's <clears throat> if it's two shooters and Isaac Okoro and then two bigs, that doesn't stretch the floor at all anymore. And Karis, I just think defensively that would be a really awful situation to put Jarrett and Evan in, but Karis definitely looks the part Dean. I think could, I think it's right now in my mind, it's still between Dean and Karis Levert in JB's mind, but obviously I'm not in those conversations because JB blocks my number. So <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even put Isaac in there. Sheesh. Come on. No, bro. I'm, I'm very content with the idea of Isaac kind of being the energy guy off the bench. I hear you. Um, some people really have that same mindset too. It remains to be seen whether or not JB uh, ha- shares that mindset. Um, he's come off the bench, if I'm not mistaken, in the last two outings. And I think more of that is not having Evan and uh, kind of not having Kevin Love either in game two. So I think that there is still a lot to determine here. I do not envy J.B. Bickerstaff and the decision-making that he's going to have to do. Uh, but moving along here, who is the most disappointing through two? I mean, overall, it's hard to kind of say. I feel like the second game in general was just the biggest letdown for me <laughs> overall. Just, I, just throw it a whole thing away. I mean, it's so hard to like analyze this team without Evan Mobley on the floor. It's he's just such an integral part of this team's identity defensively, which allows us to do what we need to do offensively. So overall, I I can't really pinpoint someone that's truly disappointed me. I think with the cards that were dealt in game two, not Mm -hmm. having like a true power forward out there outside of Dean and Isaiah, you don't, you don't consider Kevin. Oh, well he didn't play in game two. I was getting ready to jump on you, man, (laughs) please. (laughs) How dare you think I don't honor <laughs> Kevin's wishes during mental health week? Come oh, on. Man. Uh, yeah, no, I, oh, what about you, Mac? Who, who's standing out to you as someone that you're disappointed in? RJ Nimhard. Oh, uh, well, I'm, I had no I'm expectations. Done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done with RJ Nimhard. All of seven from the field in, uh, in the first game. That was enough for me. Um, we already kind of knew RJ was not going to factor into like a actual roster spot this season he's on he's on a two-way right now but from what i've seen from you know some of the other reserves that we have namely uh mamadi diakite um i'm i'm pretty sold on the idea of moving off of nimhard or releasing him outright so that we can get a sharif cooper or mamadi on the roster 
<laughs> I am I am right there. RJ, you know, if they're if they're gonna hold on to him, he's not gonna suit up at the NBA level. He's gonna be with the charge all season. <laughs> or he's not gonna suit up um in, in true rotational moments. So um I don't know. And like uh, you know, like one of the comments says down here, you know, he's he has talent, but he he's just started off so rough. So I really think he's doing himself in with these performances, but again, I'm not in the I'm not in the room making the decisions. But that's me. Uh, that that's my most disappointing I, uh, player. I actually just thought of one. Uh, Dylan Windler <laughs> is my most disappointing for doing the most <laughs> Dylan Windler thing ever, getting us all hyped up based on coach quotes. That's and a good one. The comment coming out. Oh, by the way, he uh, hurt his ankle. Most Dylan Windler thing ever, right? <laughs> like, Dylan, you know, hypothetical Dylan Windler lives on because the hypothetical part is not even if he like shows it on the floor; it's if he even steps on it. <laughs> Mr. Glass, um, I'm still pulling for him. This is just preseason, you know. Same thing. We haven't seen Evan Mobley yet either, so I guess we should cut Dylan a little slack. But based on his history and the the amount of games that he is probably going to miss, it's just not looking good. This ain't a good start. And this was uh, a yeah. <laughs> this this preseason was a good opportunity for him to showcase that those things are behind him. You know what I mean? If uh, Dylan Windler was playing in game two, I think it's safe to say we would have lost by less than twenty. <laughs> I mean, I just I want to see the guy out there, like just just stay healthy for a prolonged period of time. Uh, my jersey that I own of yours, Dylan, depends on it. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Next up, who would you like to see more of? Uh, Sharif Cooper, baby. <laughs> Let the boy cook. No, that would just, it would be such a quagmire of guards if we had Sharif Cooper playing serious minutes for the Cavs. Um, you know, honestly, I think I'd like to see a little more Jetty Osmond or Lamar. Come on. <laughs> okay. Now I'll give you Lamar. Lamar was going to be my answer, but tell me why Jetty. Because when this is the seat, this is the time where Jetty pulls a hoodwink on all of us and makes us think he's a good player for the first few months of the year, and then decides to do like in Scooby Doo fashion, takes off the disguise, and it's like, oh my god, it's actually normal Jetty Osmond, not MVP <laughs> Euro champion Jetty Osmond. That's weird. Yeah, but Lamar, I, I, you know, I just don't get it. What JB like comes out with all these quotes about Lamar, and he's like, oh man, Lamar is the heart of the team. He's the soul team. Dog. He's this. He's that. He's God's gift to earth. And then he's like, oh, by the way, Lamar, you're going to play like less than 10 minutes. <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay, cool. So when, so we're only going to play you when we need you, when everyone else is injured and you're going to come out, be a solid player. And then you're just going to go back to the doghouse. Jenny, I can get why he lives in JB's doghouse. I just don't understand this Lamar thing at all. Like I, I think Cavs fans love Lamar Stevens more than JB does. Who says all of these quotes. I don't get it either. I mean, Lamar in the uh, yesterday's game, I believe, only played in 12 minutes, which is roughly probably just the fourth quarter. <laughs> uh, uh, good, what a quarter. Being honest. And then in the first game, he suited up for 14 minutes. Um, I don't get it. Like, this is the point of the year where you really want to see the development certain players have made and I mean, just like uh, just like Dylan Wendler, just like Isaac Okoro, just like Karis LeVert, this is sort of a make-or-break year for Lamar, right? Yeah, you, know? you would think so, except it's not like he has like underperformed. Uh, it's just more of a case that I don't think he's gotten the sample size needed to make his mark. It's not like Dylan Windler where he's gotten the minutes and then you're just left disappointed. 
Lamar, I feel like most times you are very content with his minutes. There's never a time I feel like you do a groan when you see Lamar taking off the warm up that he's stepping <laughs> on the floor. Usually I get pretty excited. I mean, me personally, I get very excited to see Lamar on the floor. A lot of what he does is not show up in the stat sheet. Um, you know, he's not a guy who's going to go out there and get you a ton of buckets. We know that he we know that he's a capable scorer from mid range. We know that what he's like in transition. Um, you know, not really much of a threat from the three point line just yet, but he is usually always a positive when he's out there. I don't know if this is just like a situational thing and um or or if JB's just seen enough. Like, I mean, these guys, you know, JB would know more than us, obviously, you know, what they what they see in practice, um, what kind of lineup combinations Lamar looks best in. But I mean, you'd have to think with no Evan, with no Kevin Love. No, uh, no, Dylan. You'd want to play Lamar a little more. I mean, I don't see why not. But obviously, exactly. you know, J. I think uh, Lamar might be like having a relationship with JB's daughter or something because, like, the <laughs> dude does not like him at all. A tale old as time. <laughs> it's the Doc Rivers uh, Seth Curry <laughs> dynamic all over again. Uh, yeah. Um, some other guys that I've really, really been impressed with and really want to see more of, as it, uh, obviously I pointed out Mamadi Diakite. He's really been impactful in the uh, in the span of time that he's been out there. Blocked some shots, showed an aggression, and you know, um, just a, a flat out want to to rebound. He's uh, scored some baskets on some lob attempts. Um, he's put in the dirty work. I really like what I've seen from him, and that's why I'm okay with possibly moving on from RJ uh, or just signing him to that 15th roster spot outright because he's not likely to play a bunch anyway. I am fine moving RJ Nemhard for a food stamp at this point because <laughs> <laughs> I am the most so disrespectful out. <laughs> shit I've ever heard. I I am so over RJ Nemhard. Like I don't know what Kobe Altman keeps looking at or what he's smoking while watching RJ Nemhard highlights. But Kobe, if you're listening, send us a sample of what you're smoking when you watch those RJ Nemhard uh, highlights. I need to experience whatever transcendental thoughts are going through your head because when I watch RJ Nemhard, I I don't see a lot. <laughs> I yeah, I don't know. I mean, he you have to have like one. NBA level skill and I think RJ has that in his ability to score but you have to be able to do it consistently and RJ just hasn't shown that in these past two games and he's also buried behind some very good point guard depth so he just has no reliable shot like I couldn't tell you what part of RJ Nemhard's game would threaten a defense the most besides him just ducking his shoulder down and drive yeah, but you know when that's the only facet of your game, defenses are just going to pin down, and then you're kind of screwed. So, I mean, I'd rather have a ball handler that has more assets than just being like, all right, so either you're going to drive and kick or just drive and put it in, because you know defenses can figure that out quick. Not everyone could be like Ben Simmons and do that and work it to the level that Ben Simmons does, because Ben Simmons is. I know I gave him shit earlier, but obviously Ben Simmons is like a top 25 player yes, when he's For playing. all the shit that we give Ben, he's still, even without a shot, the man can roll out of bed and give you like 14, 7, and 7. But and that's not the case for every other big wing that can handle without a shot. Like Ben Simmons is like an anomaly in that sense. Very much so. Yeah, like if, if Ben could ever get like just a semi-reliable jumper just in any capacity, he would be 
awesome. Just, <laughs> Even a just, hook at this point. <laughs> just do something that spreads the floor a little bit. Yeah, you know, it's just one of those things where you, you, you want to see a guy take some type of progression in his game. I just don't see that out of RJ. Um, I really liked, conversely, um, what I've seen out of Hell Neto. Um, he's no Ricky Rubio. Uh, I mean, that much is certain, but he he's looking like a serviceable backup point guard in however many minutes he'll get because we know that Darius and Donovan are going to use up a lot of those minutes. But in the times where neither – in the very few times that neither of those guys are on the court or if he's allowed to facilitate with one of them on, I feel pretty confident. What about Alonetto doesn't really uh, shake the boat in the sense that he's not going to make any detrimental mistakes as your point guard, but he's also not going to be the guy that can guide you to victory night after night. If his name's called like Ricky Rubio had that capability to when Colin Sexton went down, but at the same time, it's much more steady to have him than hope that Brandon Goodwin and Rajon Rondo can kind of buoy your offense to the point that Darius returns and we don't have a major deficit. Like it's a, it's an upgrade, but it's not something that Cav like casual fans who turn on the Cavs are going to be like, man, this Howell Neto is making a really strong impact for the Cavs fans who have watched the team over the past mm-hmm. few years and noticed how we have had a lack of solid backup point guard play recently are going to definitely notice what it's like to have a solid presence at, at, like cause Ricky Rubio, if we're being honest, isn't supposed to be a backup point guard for most teams. I feel like for at least half of the league, he could be a starting point guard and the Cavs are just lucky enough. They were lucky enough last year that he was willing to play that type of role for them. And at the same time, they're lucky that he signed pretty much back on to do the same exact thing because most people who are as accomplished as Ricky Rubio won't do the same thing. Uh, But Howell Neto is a journeyman backup guard. That's going to do what he's asked of. And as long as he can kind of work well with Darius or Donovan one or the other, when the other's on the bench, then that's all you can really ask for from Howell. And he's on a really cheap deal. Like, I mean, you're getting a good return on investment with him. I believe you're going to see that this season. I do not know what his role is going to look like whenever Ricky gets back. But one thing is for certain, and that is that the Cavs should be in good hands um, until then. Um, you know, this this team is deeper. Like, it may not seem like oh, it. It's it so may. much deeper. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like, no one thinks when, like, if you're play, a GM playing 2K and you sign Howell Neto and Robin Lopez, like, they're kind of like when you simulate the rest of free agency and you're like, oh, crap, I got these two. And then, but with the Cavs, like, we usually don't get these types of names to kind of willingly be our backups. This is, was a huge sign for us to be like, t- players quality veterans are believing in us. We don't have to take these like shots on the dartboard and hope that they hit like Dante Exum type players where we're, yeah. Yeah. We're just like, Oh, thank God. Like a player that was really decent a few years ago wants to be on our team. So honestly, having Robin Lopez as our backup is just an insane upgrade. Oh, we're hoping that Ed Davis gets knees decide to work that night. Wishing you well, Ed, Ed, you know, for the one thing, even if people, you know, uh, don't want to give him credit, is that he provided veteran leadership, and I can appreciate that. And there was a a level of that that just hadn't been in Cleveland for a while, you know, over the last few seasons. And Ed did give that, but with Robin Lopez, you have a guy who can provide both veteran leadership and decent play on the court. 
Um, when when everybody's at full strength, obviously you may not see Robin, uh, but that does not mean it's a it's a bad thing to have him because you need depth. We saw how important that was, especially heading down the stretch run of last season. It was one of the most crucial elements that was missing from Cleveland last season, and I feel like they have it in um, in high amounts this season. Even though you know it, at the beginning of the off season. Um, you know, we just, there were so many question marks. And then after the Donovan Mitchell trade, we're like, oh, we just gave away Lowry. We just gave away Colin. We just traded our first round pick and along with some more draft capital. And we got back a Donovan Mitchell. We, we signed a Howard Neto. We signed a Robin Lopez. We got Ricky Rubio back. I mean, th- this team is just got, you know, a great season written all over it. And I'm hoping that each one of these guys gets their time to shine, but I mean, there's only so many minutes to go around. Um, and there is one dude in particular here who we kind of knew is a developmental project that I just kind of want to touch on here because I've heard kind of deferring opinions through these two games, and that's Isaiah Mobley. Is there anything through these two game stretch that you've seen from Isaiah Mobley that has been encouraging? I think he has a sense of how NBA offenses work. I think he definitely shows <laughs> NBA level skill. Like, well, when you think of a second round player, some of them look like a fish out of water True. in most senses. And he's like kind of, he's mature. Obviously, he's one of the older rookies that you'll have in the league. So, and he has Evan, who has been in the, his younger brother, ironically, who's been in the league. 21 months older, I believe, than. Uh, Evan Mobley, they pointed that on the broadcast. I, I mean, you gotta, you know, uh, but, uh, AC needs enough has, doesn't have enough things to talk about in preseason. <laughs> Did you know he's 21 years younger? Hey, you know, we heard, we, we heard AC use his trademark. Well, you just got to get it down to 10 points. Yeah. Uh, that. AC, this is preseason. You don't get it down to anything. <laughs> <laughs> you just start packing it up when you, he's like, you know, this RJ Nemhard showing promise. <laughs> and it's just like, all right, AC, we don't need to like talk about it anymore <laughs> uh but yeah uh isaiah mobley i mean it's very it's easier they say for older rookies to kind of adapt to the nba level but that also means their ceiling is probably going to be lower than most i think isaiah mobley shows flashes of what he could be at the nba level i think he not to like slander him but he kind of just is like a great like he's like a great value version of what evan mobley brings offensively i think they both have that sense of how to be connective Walmart tissue brand. What I said, Walmart brand. <laughs> Whatever, dude. <laughs> I uh, I it's on. It's not a bad thing to have that level of offensive touch as a center, and I think he definitely or a power forward. He definitely could do that, but I don't necessarily think that's going to be with the Cavs this year. I think he's definitely has two way written all over him. I think that he'll play when needed. When you know Robin Lopez gets injured from wrestling a mascot or something, and he's out for a little bit. So I think overall. <laughs> I, I I don't see him being the 15th man on this roster as of right now. Yeah, um, he's not there yet, and I think that much is clear. He he can rebound. He has a good nose for the ball, you know, when it's going to careen. But to me, that's about it for right now. The shot just isn't falling. Um, he does he he does look a little clumsy, um, you know, especially offensively. He looks kind of awkward out there, still trying to figure out his place. And I get that. I mean, this is a two way. A two-way player, a guy who was picked in the second round. A lot of people and scouts suggested or alluded to the fact that many of them thought he wasn't even going to go drafted. You know, a lot of people thought he was going to go undrafted, but 
you know, we have our uh, opinions on why he may be here in Cleveland. I don't know what those could possibly be. I don't think it's that his brother's on the team or anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, definitely two-way guy. Guy that needs to see some development with the charge, and that's not a bad thing, considering that this is a pretty stacked roster as it is. So, you know, a lot just a, a lot of question marks in regards to his game, but not anything that it would be too far to overcome with some time with the charge. Back, fuck, Mary kill. <laughs> Jerem Blossom game, Isaiah Mobley onto Zizic. Oh, man. The uh, the good old days, right? <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Uh, to close out today's episode, just, oh, dude, one what? Question. <laughs> <laughs> just one last question. <laughs> Who has the inside track on the starting three at this point in time? I feel like it's going to be Karis, and I am going to vomit. On opening night, and I'll have to get over that. But if GB decides to pull a fast one and go for our boy Dean, then I will not be disappointed. My Twitter will be very active when that uh, announcement is made. (laughs) Until then, though, I will be radio silent. (laughs) I've decided I'm not going to bash Karis LeVert on Twitter because receipts do exist when he'll actually turn out being a good three for this Cavs team. But, uh, yeah, as of right now, I think it's going to be Karis. I'm starting to feel the same way. Um, although I kind of still want Isaac to be the starter. Um, of course you I do. Still, <laughs> I mean, I'm not lost hope on the guy. I think that he's actually showed some, you know, some wherewithal and some, and some development from beyond the arc, although he hasn't dropped any shots for real. Um, his – just the confidence to let it fly for him and the ability to move around and uh, especially within the confines of this offense, there's, there's going to need to be a level of ball movement. Um, and I think Isaac is, is taking a step forward in that regard. Um, I don't know if you can really teach ball handling. I don't know if that's something that uh, is something that can be learned, but it's definitely something that he looks to have improved. That's, that's I mean, I don't want to like, throw drastic comparisons out there, but Kawhi Leonard's handle has improved dramatically since he's been in the league. Jimmy Butler is also the same way. Hopefully Jalen Brown also makes that turnaround too. Not saying Isaac Okoro is any of those players, <laughs> but I'm just saying it can be done. Are there. Work. It can be done. Yeah. You know, there, there's definitely something to be said about that. Um, and that's why I think, you know, I don't think it can be taught. I do think it can be honed. I think with increased reps and whatnot, I think that Isaac, can certainly keep improving, but it's something that already looks to be improved in this offseason. I think the three point shot is the, the the lone thing that could separate him from the rest of the people who could be suiting up at the three, but it's yet to be seen whether or not that's going to come with consistency and whether or not he's going to be able to scare the defense enough to, to kind of have some gravity about him. Cause last season we know that nobody was, was going out there to guard Isaac Okoro from the three point line. Yeah, if you're ever wondering, just watch that Brooklyn Nets uh, play-in game, and you'll see that in full effect. <laughs> also, if Isaac Coro wants to like master doing backdoor cuts, that would be massive for this offense if he was on the floor. We've seen we we've seen some semblances of that though through these two games. Like he's moving around, but I just don't know when when the roster is at full strength because we haven't seen Evan Mobley out there. We we truly don't know what the starting five could look like at that point. But in the minutes that Isaac has played, it's been promising. Um, but as you said, I think it's really Karis's job to lose at the moment. Um, he's been 
I'm not going to say fantastic. I won't even say stellar, but he's been <laughs> he's been solid. Um, the playmaking, the, the the ball movement, the defense hasn't been terrible, um, but it, it's the Karis Levert experience. Uh, so you just you, you're looking at his game and you're wondering what is going to translate uh, in a different type of role, and he's going to need to be able to continue to play off ball. And thus far, he has been pretty solid. Yeah, I. It's like I said before, I just want a way for him. It's it's less that I don't like him as a player and more that I just don't like him in that type of role. I just, I want, if we're going to have Karis LeVert on this team, I want to maximize his talents. And I don't think him being the starting three does that at all. I honestly think that's like his worst fit on this team right now. Like six man to me would make, like ha- would give him a chance to flourish in a way that I feel like the Cavs didn't really allow him to do last year, even as the starting two guard, but he was injured. So I'm not going to count that at all really as a sample size of what he could be. If you're believing any of the quotes that have come out from the training camp and preseason saying how he's a completely different player now than he was before. But overall, I just, uh, Karis is a mystery and he honestly could be a huge X factor to this Cavs season if we want it to be like a decent season or we want to compete for like a top four seed. Yeah, I mean, certainly. I mean, this is a contract season for him. There's a lot on the line for him and, you know, whether or not he's going to be playing basketball in Cleveland, Ohio, um, past this season. Um, that, that has to be a huge motivating factor. So I, I do expect to see a really good season from Karras regardless of the role he's in. But, I mean, I can't deny, you know, that six-man role is, is to me, the ideal spot for him considering there really isn't competition in that second unit to take away shots. There's not really anybody who could really oust him for having the ball in his hands outside of Howell to begin the season. There's no Colin. There's no um, Ochai. You know, there, there's just – it's a clear set. And to begin the season, man, I just don't know who that six man role is, uh, is going to belong to. Is it Isaac? Is it Dean? Is it Kevin again? Um, it's probably going to be Kevin in terms of like points impact, but probably not in terms of minutes. I feel like it's going to be pretty even. I don't think there's going to be one man out there that plays. There's, there's no Jordan pool. Yeah. There's no Jordan pool. There's no Ricky Rubio type of minutes out there. Like it's going to be pretty even. Like I would expect, a lot of our bench players to be playing like 20 minutes a game. Yeah. I think that that is just the reality of where we're at in such a deep roster and JB wanted to get these guys equal opportunities. Um, again, we haven't seen Evan. We haven't seen Dylan. Um, <laughs> we might not see Dylan. <laughs> we might not. I don't know. Remains to be seen. You know, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, the rotation is, is simply, I'm trying to find the right word here. Um, semi set. I don't know. Um, I hope that JB has somewhat of it kind of figured out already. Even Sands, Evan, but, um, who knows there's, we could be in for a lot of, uh, (laughs) a lot of surprises to begin the season. To go circle back to Karis Levert's extension, um, just before the season, what would you say you think the percentage is he comes back to Cleveland, even if he has a good season? I would give it about a 70% chance, but I do not think it's as a starter. Um, I think the ideal role, again, for him is in that sixth man uh, spot. I do not think that you could do worse than that. I mean, 
I think that you really look at the the guy that they were going to try and pencil in at that role, and that was Colin Sexton, most likely. Um, you know, before the trade and uh, having Karras there, which is a very similar, uh, very similar player, and it would be something that would be tremendous for Cleveland to have after this mm-hmm. season, especially if Isaac takes a leap. I mean, you, if you look at a starting five of Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, Isaac Okoro. A, uh, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, your sixth man as as Karis LeVert, and then Kevin Love is your seventh. That's a pretty pretty good uh, start. And you have other guys there that can fill it up or could swap out there and Dean Wade, uh, Lamar Stevens. I, I really think that there's about a 70% chance that Karis LeVert returns uh, to the Cavs. Now, what that actually looks like from a contractual standpoint is anybody's guess because they got to start playing for Isaac. They got to start playing for Evan. They got a, you know, they got Dean under contract. What does that say about Lamar's chances of staying? What does that say about Dylan? So many question marks. But uh, I give it a seventy percent chance. What about you? I, I give it like a twenty five percent chance. Why so low? I just think the money is like he's going to demand a decent amount of money. A player that can get his own bucket is going to re- demand a certain level of money that I think the Cavs, after this Donovan Mitchell trade, have kind of confined themselves out of. Overall, so I've honestly like a part of me thinks Dylan or oh my god, <laughs> well yeah, I don't know if Dylan will finish the season <laughs> as a Cavalier, but I also don't know if Karis is going to finish the season as a Cavalier either. I've, if Karis plays really well, I feel like there's a chance that they probably just try to swap it out for a cheap contract in the pick or something. I I don't know, man. Like I don't see the cat. I don't see Kobe kind of playing with a one year rental. I mean. It, this really could go either way, but I, I got to say, man, if, if he's playing very good basketball and it, it, it's helping the Cavs win, I really think I have a hard time seeing him being shipped out because the, there's not a lot of leverage there with Cleveland. He's he's technically an aspiring contract. If they're really looking for like a return on investment from him, I think they really need to see this season through. They have his bird rights, don't they? Uh, they might. I'm not 100% sure. Okay. We'll have to confirm that at a later time. But if they do, I mean, they can go over the cap to keep him, presumably, if they want to. But, I mean, it's dicey. I get it. Um, you got to figure out, like I said, Evan's deal is is looming. They still have to figure out what they're going to do with Isaac um, from a contractual standpoint. Uh, and Jenny. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, they're – they're going to have Kevin Love's contract off the books. Um, there, there is some cap relief coming, and there, there is a way to to kind of sort things out to keep cares. But um, it all know. depends on how he plays because he might play it kind of poorly and then play himself into like a cheaper deal for the Cavs, or he plays really well. Then it's kind of tough. I think like what is the what is the best case scenario though? Like. If you want him to play poorly, but not, too I don't poorly. know what the best Karis is so confusing to me. I think about Karis Levert way too much, honestly, in terms of this Cavs team. <laughs> I, I can't, can I can't figure out like what I want Karis Levert to do or what I want him to be. I just hope he is a success and that's it. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. <laughs> Uh, we we really do wish Karis LeVert the best. We we want him to have a really good season because that really, like Corey said, could be an X factor. Um, there's a few different X factors for this team this year. Uh, then Isaac Okoro breakout, Evan Mobley taking like an even larger leap defensively. I mean, although he's already considerably, you know, a really great defender. 
Um, there's just a lot of X factors here, and Karras is definitely one of them. So we want him to have the best season, but who knows what that'll end up meaning for him in the long-term plans. With that said, like we always tell you guys, if you'd like to reach out to us, you can at It's Cavalier underscore pod on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and more. If you'd like to be added to the It's Cavalier Discord chat and you know what to do, leave a rating, leave a review, send a screenshot of said review to It's Cavalier 53 at gmail.com, and we'll send you an invite. Hopefully, the Cavs will walk out of this next preseason game with a W. What say you, Corey? Uh, you can only hope, but you know, preseason doesn't affect my uh, expectations on the season. I mean, the Browns went four and zero in preseason, and then went zero and sixteen <laughs> in the uh, regular season. So I don't hold any. I view preseason as an experiment, and it I would really rather is. the Cavs get wacky in preseason games than kind of play it straight. One could argue we'd already kind of seen some wackiness. Um, at the end of the day, we want these guys to make it through healthy, which is why I want them to take a slow approach with Evan. Honestly, I could care less if Evan plays in the preseason. I want to see Dylan at least once. <laughs> I don't care if Evan doesn't play. You know, I care about his health. Dylan, man the fuck up and get out there. <laughs> get your ass out there, right? Oh, man. Preseason is the time to experiment, like you said. Hopefully, it results in JB being able to put together good rotations and, and seeing something that he wants out of each and every one of these guys. And with that said, you guys have a good night. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.